You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Alien Covenant. You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work and your courage. We're making history here. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. Okay, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Alien Covenant, and the story is as follows. Bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy, uh, members of the colony ship Covenant discover what they think to be an uncharted paradise. While there, they meet David, the synthetic survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. The mysterious world soon turns dark and dangerous when a hostile alien life form forces the crew into a deadly fight for survival. The film is starring Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterston, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride, Carmen Ejogo, and Damian Bashir. It is directed by Ridley Scott and written by John Logan and Dante Harper. Joining me for this review, we have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And we also have joining us this time for the first time in a film review, Mr. Josh Tarpley, everybody. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. So, ladies and gentlemen, all right, there's a lot to talk about with this one, I feel like. I I think that this is going to be uh, quite a discussion. We will have a spoiler section uh, to get into with this, but I will first start off by saying that I am one of those people that didn't love Prometheus, and I also didn't hate Prometheus. I recognize all of Prometheus's flaws. I understand that, you know, this, that it was like, um... It was kind of all over the place. Didn't know if it wanted to be a straight-up Alien prequel or retain some of the horror-slash-suspense of Alien. It just didn't feel like, you know, Ridley Scott was really capturing the true essence of what he was able to capture back in 1979, and yet he was going for something totally different. I attribute most of that to Damon Lindelof's script, who, as we all know from The the Lost, The Leftovers (laughs) and Lost, he could be a very, very mysterious and ambiguous writer. So I attribute most of what made Prometheus unique to him and all the other stuff that is inherited from Alien. Uh, it's Ridley Scott in 2012, whenever this film came out. Flash forward now to Alien Covenant. And I kind of have the same exact complaints. <laughs> For a film that is like supposed to be an apology pretty much, uh, to those who did not like Prometheus, it makes the same exact mistakes that Prometheus made, only on the opposite end of the spectrum, where people felt that Prometheus was way too much um, into heady ideas and complex uh, philosophical questions that also did not get many answers. Alien Covenant goes for just straight-up genre thrills, horror, and gore, and kind of forgets about the things that made Prometheus more unique. And then once again, we get a film that's different, yet the same, doesn't really go anywhere, doesn't really go backward, and plants itself firmly in the middle, as far as I'm concerned. What do you guys think? Yeah, I feel exactly the same way as you do, Matt, about Prometheus. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was fine, which is usually my go-to phrase. And I've watched it a few times since, and it's still just fine. Yeah, because everybody told me, too, that if I re-watched it again, and, like, people were like, oh, you know, if you read this essay or if you watch this video analysis, uh, you might gain some more understanding and you might get more appreciation for it if you watch it again. Yeah, I... I I don't buy it. (laughs) Other than that badass, really horrifying surgery scene... The C-section scene? Oh, yeah. Ridley Scott's comment on how women should be allowed to control their bodies, but he continually negates feminism at every turn. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know mean, what well, you're talking the, about. Well, I, I mean, listen, may, maybe, once again, blame Lindelof. I, I, I more, um, I more, you know, 
compared it to something like of uh, body horror that something like no no they actually came out and made statements about You're how it was a me. comment about the the control of women's bodies and by the government and how that's wrong oh geez all right yeah. i take all that back all right <laughs> please go um, on <laughs> but uh so so this go round you brought up exactly the point he opined that this was this his apology and that if you wanted more aliens well he was going to give it to you yeah for the first half this first the first act of this movie plays like a really fun 80s kind of genre space horror film where characters make stupid ass decisions and you're just sitting there like gleefully waiting for them to die horrifically this is essentially jason in space Right. Only with like a bigger budget and you know bigger names behind it, and the you know Jason and the hockey mask is aliens. Um, and then you get the other half of this movie, which is if you really like Prometheus, well, we're going to give you more of that. It seems like he's trying to please all comers, and it makes for a movie that easily is about twenty five minutes too long. There's a very real end point in this movie where I said, okay, it's over, and it kept going. And we can discuss where you all thought it should end, but there's a, a sequence that kind of plays like a climax, and it should have ended, and it just kept moving. Um, characters make horrible decisions. That's if they're defined at all. You have some big names in this movie who are blatantly wasted. Second movie I've seen in the last calendar year that has no clue what to do with Carmody Jogo, and that is a travesty in my book. Um, and, and I didn't really like the pontificating. If you have issues with Prometheus and the, the, the pontificating, the soliloquizing, oh my god, you get two facies for the price of one, which in theory sounds both awesome and a recurring stress dream that I've had, but in theory it plays really stupidly. And if you're going to quote Byron and you're going to quote Paradise Lost... Don't do it in front of me because I call you out if it's a bad quote. Um, but that's the nerd in me. So when I left, by the time this was over, I kept saying, I think I disliked this more than Prometheus. Where Prometheus was fine, I didn't love it, and I had issues with it. it this actually left me angry because it starts out really strong. And then, oh my god, does it like crawl to the finish, cut your legs off, and then still keeps moving? You know, uh, I find that interesting that you say that because I actually found the first 20 minutes to be insufferable uh, in terms really? of how... Yeah, I, I honestly found it to be boring. Um, other than the catalyst that happens in the very beginning, which I can understand if you're writing it on the page, um, you know, X, Y, and Z event happens that kind of kicks the story into motion. It's very dramatic and... Um, well, and it, yeah, go on. I was going to say, what's weird is, and, and I can, I should, I'll, I'll preface, I'll, I'll narrow my focus. I thought when this was an alien movie, when this was a horror film, it worked. But yeah, you're right. That first 20 minutes, when you're doing exposition and you're trying to convey to us who these people are and what their purpose is, it is exposition fail 101. If A, you kill off a character in the first five seconds who is constantly reiterated in the marketing as have well in terms of not maybe in the marketing but was was touted as a person in this movie killed off in the first five seconds before names are even announced and if you have exp if you have characters that you're supposed to care about i should not be asking about 30 minutes in what these characters names are like Agreed. that was that was my issue it's not only boring but it does not situate any of these characters you know what i knew about them they were all coupled up and one of them was a captain, one, and everybody else was subordinates. And that's it. I mean, you 100% don't actually, agree with you. Yeah, you don't get any type of characterization to these people. They're um, meat for the slaughter, basically. E exactly. They are, and that's why I said it plays like a really stupid 80s movie for that first half. Because essentially, these are all blood bags that you're watching be ripped apart horrifically, which can be fun. But own up to that. Don't do a second act, third act apology being like, well, we're really intelligent because we, we have these other two characters that are really, really smart and and then undo all that. By the way, kudos on whoever wrote the script for ripping off the Power Rangers movie because when Fassbender's David shows up, he's essentially the Dulcia when they're on that little island in the Power Rangers. Watch the Power Rangers movie again. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, Deep watch cut. it again. <laughs> Aside from the sticks and like the lingerie costume, 
it's the same damn introduction. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you one on that, Kristen, and I'm gonna tell you that I actually believed it to be a direct a direct reference to Assassin's Creed. Oh my God, shared universe, yes. I was like, they have the hood. They've got the. I'm like, what? What the long hair? I'm like, what is going on here? So what you know? you're saying is that really Jeremy Irons needed to be the alien with the cape coat combo. <laughs> Tarpley, I don't know if you're aware or not, but Kristen really oddly liked Assassin's Creed, where okay. all, the rest of us were all like lukewarm on it. Kristen was like, this was like so much fun. <laughs> um, Tarpley, what did you think? Yeah, so. This movie's weird, and, and it's almost like going back to the, the production of Prometheus, where at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, like John Spates is writing this thing, and it's just a, a sci-fi project that's going to be weird, and Ridley Scott, and over it was developed into a alien movie, and you can kind of tell that in that, where it's pretty much like a post credit scene. Hey, this is Alien, by the way. And now watching Alien Covenant... They can't decide, is this the Alien prequel or is this Prometheus sequel? Um, and was so weird. Watching this made me kind of retroactively like Prometheus a little more. Uh, Prometheus was fine to me. The visuals were great. But the same problems with Covenant where it wants to be really smart, really big, really mind-blowing. But the characters are like so one note, just kind of there. We're here to, uh, for, to be killed. Um and so whenever it was trying to be an alien movie, I'm like, okay, I can dig this. This is the this is James Cameron. We got some guys telling jokes. We're trying to have some fight scenes. We're going to die. But then it takes a turn into the Prometheus territory, which I actually really enjoyed in this movie. And I pretty much enjoyed anything with Michael Fassbender in this. I thought uh, he was great uh, in, in the, the characters. He's rocking out here. Um, and then... It went back into Alien, and then it was... It just couldn't... It wanted to the best of... It wanted to be both. And for that, it ended up not satisfying in any way. You know, there's a line in Prometheus where Michael Fassbender says, uh, big things have small beginnings. And in Prometheus, there's a lot of big things. And you can argue that Prometheus is a small beginning, ultimately. Alien Covenant is supposed to then deliver upon some of the shit that was brought up in Prometheus. And in my opinion, it doesn't <laughs> like, no. I feel like all the big ideas that were discussed in Prometheus, um, you know, they don't really expand upon it so much in this movie, but instead what we do get, and this is a redeemable quality of the film, in my opinion, is we do get, um, a really fascinating character arc for the character from the first film, David played by Michael Fassbender. I would agree. Best part of the movie for me. I agree with that as well. I think Michael Fassbender is the best part of the movie in general. I'm going to disagree. I thought that was the most <laughs> boring part of the movie. And I I mean, I, I get the intent. It's the the whole Frankenstein creation. Well, thing. wait, is that because of... Um, really? I, well, I mean, that's what it was with the first film, was, was the whole concept of, you know, what does the created deal how did the, how do they deal with their creator and yeah. you know the the whole god and man dichotomy i mean i get i get all of that i felt that by taking by actually stopping the narrative yeah. <laughs> to have these two characters uh, it's essentially a one man show for for fastbender at a certain point you know discussing and trying to educate his his other self about why he's being oppressed Hashtag white man robot femi- uh, 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 what is it? Civil rights. <laughs> I was just, I was bored. I was bored. Did I find it hilarious when Michael Fassbender was reading lines that I'm pretty sure were discussing his sexual prowess on a Saturday night? Yeah, that was hilarious. But I just, I didn't feel it was necessary to actually stop the narrative and take away from these characters who were already hobbled and tell this again pedantic story about how does man deal with God and how do, you know, fathers, sons deal with their fathers and those grand, it just, it didn't connect with me. Well, I think that you're looking at this through a, 
um, I think you're looking at it through the wrong lens, in my opinion. Um, and you could correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, you, you just mentioned fathers and sons, right? And I get it. Peter Whalen, played by Guy Pierce's uh, quote unquote father to David. Um, but David's not a man. He he has a man form. He's an android. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. He's and, not and creator I, yeah. and the created. Yes, right. And that's yeah. that's why I I mean the whole premise is essentially to make Walter woke. Essentially, you know that's the whole premise. <laughs> but that's of, the thing. Um, I, that's the thing I really don't like about this, though. Is um, and, and and I'm kind of agreeing with you a little bit here in the sense of like, I don't like that they give Walter, who's also played by Michael Fassbender, um, the qualities of. And I don't want to call it love, but affection for uh, the character Danny, played by Catherine Waterston in this movie, because he's a robot, you know? And I thought that was purely a copy of the last film with with Numi Rapace and Fassbender, and even to a certain extent, Charlize Theron and Fassbender. I just thought it was a copy. So when he starts talking about how you love her and, and you know, your affection, I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't understand over love if we, I saw I saw the exact same narrative play out from Prometheus. Well, I, I'm I'm looking at more of like you know you're an android. I get it. You're supposed to be more advanced because you have curiosity, but you're not supposed to understand what love is, and you're not supposed to get it. Ex Machina did this all better. Okay, I'm just Agreed. throwing that out there. <laughs> Agreed, 100%. But I think what ends up happening is I don't mind that Michael Fassbender takes over the narrative because I think, once again, I do think the character of David is a fascinating one when you look at both of these two movies and where his character has um, taken on this journey. Uh, The other character played by Fassbender, whatever. I think that was just like a, a cute little trick to just have two Michael Fassbenders in the same movie. But what I don't like is where I don't like that Elizabeth Shaw in the uh, first film, Prometheus, was really a central main character to that narrative and Fassbender supported her. This movie is the Fassbender show. And Catherine Waterston, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, really plays second fiddle and is really completely forgotten about here. Okay, Can, can I throw out, can I throw out the F word? Well, yeah, sure, why not? Okay, so Ridley Scott has this concept of what feminism looks like to him. And keep in mind, we started out with Ellen Ripley in 79, who has become the, you know, poster child for women in sci-fi, which is still a very male-dominated genre. And, and Ellen Ripley is not a flawless character by any stretch of the imagination. But as the films progressed, she became, it was, it was impossible not to say that she wasn't the lead. And I think that in the last, this in Prometheus, I don't know if Ridley Scott, as he's aged, or as the the screenwriters that he's working with, uh, you know, their definition of of what makes a strong female heroine, they have taken such a giant step back, and it is starting to annoy me. I think it's a combination of, um, I think it's a combination of both, because, you know, Scott, Scott is 79 years old, and he cranks out these aesthetically gorgeous movies that clearly take a lot of time and effort to put together. Um, But his biggest weakness in every single one of his films is always, 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 always the screenplay. Um, And the women. And the women. No, no, just the screenplay. (laughs) Chalk it up to the screenplay. Yeah. It all goes back to the screenplay. And to give some context for what I'm talking about, Ellen Ripley, in the previous films, was a competent, adept, single woman the last two movies we've had women who the script only galvanizes them after their husbands or boyfriends in the prometheus movie have been killed off that's the only way apparently a woman is able to actually be active if she's not an ice cold bitch who might possibly a robot be a robot the only way to prove that is by having sex with a man um so you have that that was my big issue Catherine waterston again is a character who is despite looking like Ellen Ripley to the point where she has a, practically wears a sign that says, please call me Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, um, is only considered competent, you know, after her, her husband is killed. She reiterates, much like a Cassandra character, this is a bad idea. 
do not go to this planet. It is a bad idea. She's Billy, the only one in the film that might be considered smart. Logical, actually. exactly. And and Billy Crudup's character actually mansplains to her at a certain point. Like, I'm right. You're just go over there. Um, you know, the rest of the women are clearly ill-defined. They're either victims, they're a set of tits, there are boobs in the third act, in case y'all are curious, um, or... Did y'all notice how often everybody refers to female characters, specifically female characters, as my wife? No names. Oh, yeah. No names. Well, I mean, they are my couples. Wife. They are couples on the ship, and that's a, that's another reason, too, why we don't understand and learn people's names, because they're not True. fucking used. But but keep in mind, none of the women say my husband. They, it's the men saying my wife, reiterating, because we got to reiterate, that, you know, they see them as, as it's property again i mean like that was my big issue these are again these are nitpicks nobody else is going to notice but for me having appreciated the ellen ripley character it was so upsetting to watch this movie that essentially says women are wives and you can't be competent unless you don't have a man by your side and then you become smart and intelligent and are able to actually do stuff um, so I didn't, I didn't get what, what the script was telling me. Should I root for this woman? Should I find her to be inept? I, I didn't really know, except that I know that Ridley Scott really has a hard on for women in incubators in the last two movies and embryos. He loves embryos in this movie. Um, so I, I just had a big issue with how the women are treated in this film because we started out so well in this series. Um, can I make an argument and say that I think all the men are treated so terribly in this movie, too, except for Fassbender, who's an android? You could. I mean, I can see, you know, Crudup is... Like, let's just say, let, let's just make the argument that all humans are treated like shit, period, equally. Um, and the only character we are supposed to care about is the Xenomorph or Neomorph. I don't even know what the fuck you're supposed to call them at this stage. Um, and Fassbender. And that's it. And, and I guess by that same token, to, to, to continue along that logic... Ridley Scott really needs to quit saying that, you know, like, we need to stop talking about how awesome Ripley is because, obviously, the scriptwriter and Ridley Scott don't give a shit about making a competent woman in space movie anymore. I think I think Scott does care. I just don't think he notices is the problem. I think, it's, I think the screenwriters, once again, are the ones to fault here because the, the, the screenplay is always the first stage, right? Um, what's not on the page is not going to make its way to the screen. Uh, Scott, though, at age almost 80 years old, should know better. And you, and you have to, and you have to just take a look at Scott's filmography to know that he has um, shown very strong female characters in his movies. Fe Are, Thelma and Louise a, a, is... A, a, I'm talking any in the last 15 years, please. I'm sorry. Jessica Chastain is a strong character in The Martian. I, I don't... And that's a great script. Um, I could... Uh, I, I, mm. Yes. Yes, I'm right. No, you're... <laughs> yes, you're, I'm... You're I'm so, in the no. area. You're in the area. If no, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm right. I, I gotta. Because I... Still, go ahead. I, I, you're, you're not gonna agree with it, but the point... I mean, at the end of the day, does anybody remember her that character's name? That movie's still... Matt Damon's movie... Just because you have a nice side character that's allowed to be smart and a commander doesn't mean that Ridley Scott and, and screenwriting crew are writing... He, he's, the intent is not that he's writing kick-ass female characters or is interested in making projects about them over the last 10 years. All of his movies no, are about Ridley Scott, No, because Ridley Scott... Uh, I'm telling you, something has happened with Ridley Scott as he's <laughs> aged. Um, in his earlier career, G.I. Jane, uh, like I said, Thelma and Louise, Alien... Um, all like there's there's a lot of examples in his filmography in his early years. Actually, I could make an argument for a Ridley Scott female character, but I'm not because it's from a movie that's critically derided. <laughs> all right, well, like I was saying, um, I think early in his career, I think he just had a more firm grasp on this, and as he's you know gotten older, I think Scott is less concerned about the way that females are portrayed in his films, and also too male characters as well. I, I really, really, really don't think Scott is a great director of conveying character. Scott has always been more of a stylist and definitely yeah. more of a popcorn uh, director, more so than anything. He's a, he's, a, he's a director for hire by the studio, you got to remember, at the end of the day. they get The studio gets a script and they go, well, who's a good person to direct this? Let's see if Ridley Scott's available. 
you know, and if he likes the script, he'll do it. Um, but Scott's not a screenwriter in the sense that he's going to go and do the script, or at least he hasn't done that in like I don't even know how many years it's been uh, since he's written a script. You know, so well, I was going to throw out about Ridley. Um, I was listening to, uh, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter roundtable he's doing for The Martian, and he talks about because he's been putting out a movie like every year, I think, for the past yeah decade. It's a lot. He's probably yeah, he's, he's doing point. the Woody Allen treatment right, right. now. And um, he was saying how with The Martian, um, and I'm sure all of his movies, he, in his, like, whether he, he storyboards the whole movie. And he, he says he sees the entire movie before they even step on a set. And so, and as I see, even, you know, whether it be The Martian or Exodus or Prometheus, like, he's all over the place. Um The trailers are always great. They're always great to look at, you know, usually whatever you take on any of these movies, there's usually nothing going on beyond that. And it, uh, I'd agree, Matt, this, the character or maybe the, it's, it's like the, if the screenplay is good. It's all on the screenwriter and we're kind of rolling the dice each time, but every, it always looks amazing. And the shots are there and, and alien covenant, like, yeah, there's some thrilling moments. There's some body horror. This is happening. This imagery of the Prometheus stuff, but I was like way unsatisfied by the end of it because I got half a Prometheus movie, half an Alien movie, and it could have decided what it wanted to be there. Yeah, you get half an Alien movie, half a Prometheus movie, and neither one is particularly good. I mean, the movie's called Alien Covenant because they couldn't decide whether or not to call it Alien Covenant or just Covenant. If they had, you know... Covenant to me seems like it should be the name of the film because Prometheus was the name of the ship. Why can't this movie be called Covenant? That's the name of the ship. But no, we have to remind people that this is an alien film. The alien's going to be in it. Oh, this is an apology film. We have to call it Alien Covenant. You know what I mean? It just goes to show you that um, ultimately Scott, whether he says that he knew what he wanted this film to be or not is irrelevant. The end result is that it comes off like he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do. Like it was like those if he was at war with himself. Yeah, honestly, watching this as, you know, as, as much, as you know, meh we are in Prometheus, I was like, I kind of would just rather have another misguided Prometheus sequel and just swim in these big ideas. And maybe it answers some, maybe it doesn't. But that was the part I was drawn to with Covenant. Or, I guess, fully commit. This is R-rated, alien, Let's just have have a good time here, but having it both ways didn't work out, and I was it made me want to go back and watch Prometheus. Maybe I'm thinking of it too highly now, and through the lens of Covenant. <laughs> you know what would have fixed this movie? And no, I'm not going to say a female screenwriter. Um, what would have fixed this movie? More of Michael Fassbender. No, I was gonna, I no. was gonna say that's laughable. A female would have never been asked to write this movie. No, uh, and and wait a minute, no bullshit. That's not true because the Alien films, Alien and Aliens, were praised for their time of being a great um, allegory for motherhood and for also, you know, like I said, creating the character of Ellen Ripley at the end of the day, who became a great female action hero. I'm sure there were many female screenwriters that would have loved to have gotten a crack at writing an Alien film, but different industry back then. You know what I mean? It's, now it's not. It's not any better now. No, no, and, uh, and, yeah. To, and now, to say that I'm, Ellen Ripley was to has not been scholarly discussed because men only know how to write women as mothers. I mean that that's also discussed quite heavily now. Well, I, I, that I don't know what you want. I what, what do you want? Gonna, I, we don't we don't have time to discuss it. <laughs> but I mean, like, what? Okay, so what would have fixed this movie for you? What would have fixed the movie is making it either an alien movie or a Prometheus movie at the end of the day. It didn't have anything to do with female characters. It would have been better just to decide what what narrative you want to make and explore the characters in a way that makes them feel like people and not just, you know, whams for consumption. So I'm going to agree with you on that part. I'm going to get more specific and I'm going to say that if they had given these characters in the first 20 minutes where I found the film to be very boring because it was more about, oh, God, I know where this is going. I know they got to land on this planet. I know that they got a debate about landing on this planet. I know that they're going to explore this planet. I know like it just was like, come on. It's like so paint by the numbers. I get it already. What I just wanted during all that time was I wanted more character 
to shine through with the dialogue and with the decisions that these characters each made. So that this way, when the killing does happen, I do care um, because the other thing that I can't stand about this movie is I cannot stand the fact that Ridley Scott was such a master of suspense in the original Alien film. Like those sequences are dreadfully suspenseful because they're held out for so long until the jump scare. This film, nope, it's just jump scares um, or gore. There's no real suspense, and it's and that's what would have made it more of an alien film for me. Um, what would have made it more of a Prometheus film is if you did all of that characterization, smarter characters with the suspense uh, added in, but continued on some more of the philosophical questions that Prometheus had asked, answered some of them, and asked new ones. Instead, we have Michael Fassbender making out with himself and playing a fucking flute. And I'll, I'll add this. While I'm in the, you know, I wish it was either an Alien or Prometheus movie camp. If they go the Prometheus way, it just needs to be in the land of the, the philosophical questions. Creator versus created. Overthrowing those above you. Because I found out through this movie, I found out I do not care about the origin of the Xenomorph. Nor do I care about the origin of an alien planet. I was, It's like, I guess this is the problem with most prequels, but I was like, what? What I, it's not adding anything to the lore to find out it's, you know, hundred year evolution before the, the alien movie, and so I like the the bigger stuff or just make another alien movie, but it's not like it's like the Ring and the Lord of the Rings, and if we just find this out, it's the linchpin. It's like, well, it's it's an alien. That's kind of cool that it was created. Hmm. There we go. <laughs> All right, before we uh, get into spoilers here, um, ha. No, you know what? Let's get into spoilers. I think anything else that we have to talk about, we could probably wrap up in final thoughts, if anything. You guys good to go for spoilers? Yep. Go for it. All right. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, we are in spoilers now for Alien Covenant. If you have not seen the film Alien Covenant, fast forward to the final couple minutes here of the podcast. But for now, we are ready to talk some spoilers. I saw the twist coming at a mile away. Oh, my God. That was the worst telegraphed fucking twist ending I've seen in a long goddamn time. I was... I was just completely beside myself. Really? They're going to do a switcheroo between the two Michael Fassbenders and are not for a second. They are not pulling this wool over my fucking eyes. I, my eyes are as wide open as they could possibly be right now. And I was sitting in my chair looking at the screen and I'm like, how dumb do they think I am that I can't recognize the fact that he was reaching for the fucking knife. He cut off his goddamn arm and he's posing as this other character. And then to add salt to the wound, they actually take their time with the reveal. Yeah, because I don't fucking know because David just wanted to choose the right moment, I suppose. But it made no sense at all. So you guys want me to throw out another obscure 90s children's television reference? Yeah, that try me. That twist happened way better in that episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark when the sister, sister, sisters were chameleons. Remember, we had to all figure out which. Was it Tia or Tamara who was the chameleon? You found oh out it was God. really the bad one. This is the deepest cut I've ever heard on a podcast. <laughs> Done way better, guys. Go on YouTube. Watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? The one with Tia and Tamara Maori. Better twist. And it was done on a cheaper budget. Okay? Yeah. Just well, one of the Well, Kristen, what you had alluded to earlier. Um, so there's this big action scene. Yes. And they, they, kill, they kill the alien. And, yes. And again, I was like, so we start out the movie. It's paint by numbers space exploration we stop at the movie big ass prometheus section and then we go back to as straightforward you know aliens at that point yeah and we even kind of reference aliens exactly yeah with the crane thing when i was like okay and then it should have ended right there and then i was like oh we're we're still going and yeah all right i guess this is happening yeah because apparently someone at the studio was like you know what this movie's missing sex 
we need to get some tits and we need to have a sex scene in here. Yeah. And you know oh what? We just throw some so blood strange. on it too. Yeah. That they, really <laughs> came out of nowhere. You know what? You know what I do when I have a near life and death experience? I, I'm just like, yo, I gotta fuck, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, so is this an apology because we paid a crap ton of money for the kid from Empire and we might as well use him because he's kind of the, the lone person of color who survived? And you know what's the worst thing about that too is that. If that scene were not in the trailers, I think I would have been more freaked out watching it in the theater for the first time. But the fact that I knew from the trailer that that scene was coming just killed it for me completely. I mean, it was already killed for me on a conceptual level, but just seeing it play out, I was like, ah, oh, this is... I know, you know, I know that you, Matt, mentioned that you didn't like the gore. And for me, I was there for it. If we were going to go old school Cronenberg and just have blood and viscera over everything i would have been there for that and you know even though that sex scene is completely pointless in the narrative i was still kind of like there for the oh okay well at least it's bloody as shit and it's it's fun to watch again going back to that whole 80s genre horror movie mentality but it comes at the end of the movie you know yeah. When you've all but you're already irritated if you you weren't there for the the middle part you're already just like end god damn it I don't care had that been in the you know middle portion of the movie I'd have been fine with it I would be wondering why they're having sex maybe in uh, well, David's yeah. cave or something you know where yeah. they think it's safe of which, course hashtag, which, hashtag, which, hashtag we, cave sex yeah can we talk <laughs> about David's cave for a moment and his his literal man cave or his android <laughs> cave I guess. <laughs> You know, the thing about, like, David's Cave was I, I – and I feel so bad because I brought a friend to watch this with me. And I was asking him questions throughout the movie because I thought that I missed some things at times. Um, I, I was, like, leaning over and I was asking, wait a minute. Why are they actually safe in this cave again? I, I don't get it. And you realize, oh, wait, they're not safe. The alien can come and pick them off at any time. David's safe. Because the alien apparently doesn't harm David or uh, Walter um, in this instance. But I just found all that to just be so confusing initially. Um, for the record, Kristen, I, I, I actually did like the gore. Um, because that would have been more so committing to the the alien portion of the movie. Yeah, that's, and, you know, yeah like, exactly. Yeah, like we were saying before, if you're going to go like full body horror and you're going to like go for it, just commit yourself to it. There, there are a couple sequences with the body horror that I thought were that quite effective. Open, that first sequence was frightening as hell. With you talking about when the guy's like shaking and he's all pale and shit. Exactly, and, exactly. Yeah, it comes out now, of his back. Mind you, can we discuss how these people are scientists? Supposedly, Dude, made me all so have mad. <laughs> scientific training. And if you all thought in the Prometheus, you know, in Prometheus, when that guy was like, I'm going to touch that thing. Um, nope, they haven't gotten any smarter in this time period. Characters are touching shit. They're stepping on shit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know if they were supposed to be military or if they were supposed to be scientists. I didn't know. If, I, I had no idea what the deal was because I'm like, they're so stupid. Yeah, I, I find it laughable that it's 2104 in this movie. And hostile planet does not mean tread fucking lightly you know don't yeah. don't go trouncing on shit and be you know surprised when stuff invades you know your precious nose canal or something which by the way <laughs> i am not a fan of things going in ears and that whole uh weird ass ear canal pov shot was terrifying <laughs> <laughs> you know um i'm just going back going back to the cave one bit because i gotta make reference to this um the dumbest thing in the whole movie, the dumbest thing, is when Billy Crudrup uh, goes oh and inspects the <laughs> the fucking egg, I guess it is. Like, it's an egg yep. or something. I don't, yep. I don't even know what. The face hugger comes out, launches on top of his face. He wakes up. The face hugger's no longer on his face. Michael Fassbender is, like, throwing rocks at him or something. I, I don't even remember exactly. Um... And then there's the chest bursting scene, which that part was fucking cool. That part was awesome. You know, I was all for that because it's like, you know, it's the gore and they're really, really like highlighting the fact that it's the chest burst, you know, and like you as a nostalgic fan are like, oh, it's the I chest burst. I think that burst. was all undercut with the first scene, though. That was my problem is that the first sequence in this movie where something's coming out of somebody's back was so well done that yeah. when it happened with Crudup, I was like, you know, it's not John Hurd. But, but can I tell you why I hated that so much, though? I absolutely hated 
hated. I like I wanted to reach to the str- uh, screen and fucking choke her out. Um, I think it's the captain's wife. I want to yeah. say Carmen Carmen Diogo's character. Nope, no, no, not the one that's trapped inside. Oh, the oh, the other, the other Tennessee's kid. Yeah. wife. The t- right? yeah, the he yeah only referred to as my wife. I, I yeah, I, I don't know anyone else. I don't know anyone's names, unfortunately, as we established earlier. She fucking locks Carmen Diogo in the room. Doesn't even try to help her. And she's all like crying and running away. And I'm like, you little bitch. I'm like, are you kidding me? And Your you friend is going to get killed I in want, there. You wonder why I want women writing these fucking scripts. Because really? Oh. Really? She turns into a sniveling little girl who can't shoot? Uh, that that is where I get really pissed because I I love I lo- and I say that with every ounce of sarcasm. I love when we make military females who in high risk situations that they're fucking trained for have to cry, run away, and then can't shoot straight. Because it's because it's they're trying to make this into a horror film, and in the horror films, the girls are always running, <laughs> you know? It, and it, It's 2017, fuckers. I, 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 and once again, that. Ridley Scott is 79 years Ridley, old. Ridley, get your <laughs> shit together, okay? You know what? At least Cameron Diaz had a fucking cheetah that could have hunted some people down and killed them, okay? Throwing out another <laughs> Ridley Scott movie there. Counselor. That movie's batshit insane. <laughs> um, I, I give, I actually argue Cameron Diaz is pretty fucking awesome <laughs> Uh, oh no, she is. I I actually I actually really enjoy the counselor. I know I'm in the minority on that one. I kind of wanted Cameron Diaz to get an Oscar nomination for that, but that's you know there there's some beautiful dialogue in that that movie that um she's she actually delivers really well. But another another time. Um, James Franco. <laughs> Blink and you'll miss him. Ah, that was crazy to me that I was watching that. And I'm like, oh, maybe there's gonna be flashbacks. Or honestly, I was like. That can't be it. Maybe he's going to come back from the dead. That's part of the new, like, alien mythology. It was like, that's impressive that that, that was his scene. <laughs> yeah, that, that really irritated me because they, they made such a big deal about him joining the cast. And literally, outside of the one scene that we see of, that's pre-recorded, you know, they're watching, like, an iPad... What we got was the photo, the cast photo they showed with uh, it has him in it. So I almost started to think maybe some studio interference, that there's a far longer cut of this somewhere that I don't want to see that has, uh, much like Patrick Wilson in Prometheus, and we know that he filmed more stuff that they didn't use. Um, I'm assuming that, that there's more James Franco footage. Um, it's a Ridley Scott film. There's going to be a director's cut. Uh, you know, Kingdom of Heaven was the only one that's, any better than the theatrical version of Heaven. I agree with you, Kingdom of Heaven is the best one, but I still kind of prefer the uh, final cut of Blade Runner. Um, I was going to say, if, if, you know, Kingdom of Heaven's kind of the last good Ridley Scott director's cut. Robin Hood director's cut, holy shit, that movie's worse. (laughs) (laughs) And I do own that, and it's awful to watch. Um, Um, Is there anything else other than the terrible switcheroo that occurs at the end of this movie? James Franco... Um, and any other character-specific deaths. Is there anything else that anybody wants to bring up in regards to this? Oh, yes. Um, I really, really, really hated the reveal about what really was going on with Elizabeth Shaw. Oh, I thought that... I I knew that was all bullshit. That was another terribly telegraphed twist, quote-unquote. I knew. I hated that I so much. Yeah. I was so upset by it, too, because I was led to believe heading into this movie that Naomi Rapice was actually going to have a larger role in this. And I was very upset when David revealed that she had died in the crash of the Prometheus. Um, I was very disappointed because I love the fact that she survives the first film. I love the fact that her and David go off uh, at the end of the movie. I... I just felt so cheated by the fact that she was dead. And then on top of that, she's being fucking mutilated by this fucking android who thinks he's God all of a sudden. Hashtag uh, alien abortions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was again. I, I don't know what Ridley Scott's interest is in female reproductive rights, but stop. Please, because yeah, by by the time we see Numi Rapace is just like ribs spread and you know her embalmed corpse and knowing that she was you know the host for this alien baby, I'm like, great, 
thank you, Ridley. I'm never having children because of these movies, so, you know, I don't really know what the intent is. Um, yeah, I was, I was bummed to see that she wasn't in this. I know that they said that she was not coming back early on, but... Again, wasted opportunities for some good actors. Same same with Carmody Jogo. I mean, she's yeah. she's telegraphed really well to be, you know, the the id kind of or the the yin to Billy Crudup's yang and we kill her off. Yeah. Catherine Waterston in this movie, uh she She's okay. Ha- <laughs> yeah, I mean like I still There's nothing for her to do. That was my That's problem. The, that is that is the problem. Yes, you're you're 100% right. Yeah. She is just meant to be the uh, character of the crew that survives till the end, and the, we have the frustrating. On. And I and I want to say I want to say that this this continues kind of the trend of Hollywood not really knowing what to do with her. You know, you you look at something like Inherent Vice, where she played you know the hot MacGuffin. Um, even something like the other Fastbender movie that she made, Steve Jobs. You know, where she's she's uh. You know, the the crazy ex-wife who has a couple good scenes and then really ultimately has no bearing on the plot. I don't think people, screenwriters, really know what to do with her because she's not a glamazon. She's a little too slight to be an action hero. She, I haven't seen anything that's, you know, passing for comedy from her. So I, I know there's got to be some really good talent in her, but we've tried out all these genres and nothing's worked. And yet, I'm going to make a prediction, and I'm going to say that within three years, she will be an Oscar winner. They love to reward the ingenue. That's the only reason. I don't know if it would actually be deserved. Is she an ingenue, though? It depends. People, Hollywood has a really short memory, and they love to retcon stuff, so if they, she might be. I, I don't think so. I think that she will get it, because I do think that even though the projects that she is um, associating herself with, even though they aren't landing fully, I still think that she has a good eye for projects, working with Paul Thomas Anderson, Danny Boyle, Ridley Scott, being associated with a blockbuster like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I think that she will continue to choose interesting projects and put herself in a position where one day the stars will align. Let's get into final thoughts. Great out of 10. Any Oscar potential. Josh Tarpley, take it away. So final thoughts. It was, I guess I was on, on board with anything the Fassbender related and it's making me look back on Prometheus with, you know, fond eyes now and maybe it's some uh, retroactive history there. But um, yeah, overall, pretty meh. Uh, I'm probably going to go just five out of ten. Half of the Alien movie, half of Prometheus movie. It's, it's kind of there. Um, Oscar potential would just be the uh, for me in the visual effects area like a prometheus but i'm guessing it'll it will get pushed out by the time we get to nominations mm. Kristen, um i was gonna say visual effects as well but i don't see it happening it's a little too early in the year for them to really be looking at the nitty-gritty so unless it really connects on a rewatch which if you didn't like it the first time i don't see how an academy voter is gonna really have the interest in watching it a second time so I don't think it's going to have any noms. Um, in terms of final thoughts, did y'all see Life? Life is a way better movie that does pretty much the same basic layout. If we it, Life got called out for being an alien ripoff. Well, right now it's the best alien movie that we've kind of had in a while. Um, I thought that everything uh, issue that I had was kind of mitigated better in that film than this film. This is a a lot of the same issues I had with Prometheus. It's overly long. There's no characters. What characters are there have really stupid logic. It could have been a really great 80s genre exercise in space, but it's too overshadowed by more pontificating, more speechifying, more references to stuff that I guess proves whoever wrote this script has a master's degree which is great we can be master's buddies together but it don't need to see it in a movie um if you like fastbender you get two for the price of one but that's not really enough for me that might be too much for most people but um and not yeah it doesn't work for me um so i'm gonna go with josh here as well and give this a five out of ten all right um i think this is uh, too Prometheus to be alien, too alien to be Prometheus. I think that um, 
the characters weak. I think they make dumb decisions. I think that when the film is uh, working to be just a straight up horror film with the gory elements and the genre thrills, I think that's when it's at its best. Although I think the best asset of the movie is Michael Fassbender. Um, I really did love uh, everything that he pretty much did in this movie. I really did, uh, even though it may not have sounded like I came across as such uh, in my thoughts here. Uh, aesthetically, this film is beautiful to look at. Um, this film has some really, really great production design, um, great sound work. I think the score is also better in this film than it was in Prometheus. Um, the visual effects are also really impressive, and for that reason, I would probably say it has a shot at visual effects. I mean, Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Prometheus all got Best Visual Effects nominations, so... It's looking like a good bet, although seeing the uh, CGI xenomorph moving very freaking fast, might I add, versus uh, a practical one that was more foreboding to me was less scary this time around. Instead, what was uh, really the horrifying aspects of this movie were more so the body horror elements, which I really, really did get a kick out of at times. Um, overall though, this film is a mixed bag. I am gonna throw some leeway and I will go with a six out of 10. Um, but that's exactly, that's exactly what I gave Prometheus. So, I mean, we're kind of like in the same territory here at the end of the day. Um, I, I do think that when you stack this up against, uh, other blockbuster films that will be coming out this summer, um, there will be a higher degree of ambition, um, a higher, uh, artistic quality to something like this than the other mountains of crap that we are bound to see. Um, hence, hence the grade. So I'm I'm being I'm being more than generous I think here I I as you all could tell through my tone throughout most of this review I I had a lot of problems here <laughs> so um, I want to thank everyone for listening to this review uh, but you probably want to know where you can find us on the internet so Josh Tarpley tell them where they can find you yeah you guys can follow me on Twitter it's at Josh Tarpley seven it's T A R P L E Y seven and uh, I'm writing for the site week to week, so be on the lookout for that. Awesome. Kristen Lopez. As always, I am at on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, where you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think. We would really appreciate it. And we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.